from Wakefield. It's the Nolan Garnet Show. Welcome to Nolan. Let's get this week month blend into the show. And now, ladies and gentlemen, here's Nolan. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the show. Joining me this week is a very special guest. But before I, I announce who it is, I just want to say hopefully you've enjoyed everything that I, the last few episodes, David Leaf and a few coming out in the near future. Uh, a friend of my guest, Stephen Kalinich, was just on, so hopefully you enjoyed that episode. But besides that, this is a new week and a new episode, and my guest coming from Southern California, you may know of his work and friendship with Stephen Kalinich, Al Jardine, Rodney Bingenheimer, the uh, Monkees, uh, I'm trying to think who else, he did some work with Nancy Sinatra, the Beach Boys, and especially Brian Wilson for the last 24 years. He is the one and only Mr. Mark London. Mark, how are we today? Hey, don't forget Vampira. Exactly, exactly. I he left out Myla Nermy. Yeah, that was a fun one. I was able to do a really nice poster for her before she passed away. She was not doing well financially. And um, I threw something together for her for a convention that was coming up in Hollywood. And she was able to make a few grand. And that really made me happy. Yeah, that's, that's good that you can do something happy for someone while they, you know, may not be able to do anything physically with, with the guests I've had on in, in general, you know, the la I always like this kind of start like this, not to put a damper on things, but the last two years have sort of been interesting, exciting to some degree now that things are going back to normal, but also craziness. So for you at this point, two years later into this whole weird situation we're all in, how's, how's life been for Mark London? Uh, it's been groovy, you know, so far I'm what they call knock on wood, a novid. That means I never got COVID. So either that means uh, because I smoked so many cigarettes in the 70s and the 80s, the virus spun my lung. I just got lucky. And it was probably all the above. I'm the guy that was spraying a shoe I saw when I'd go to the gas station. So I was a little extra paranoid. But yeah, it was a definitely, it's been a weird Twilight Zone episode with uh, what's going on in the world and what's going on uh, in the planet. I mean, yeah. just everything has just been um, like a science fiction film, you know? And mm. uh, I lost a few friends, sadly, gained a few good new ones. And, you know, it's life, isn't it? But art-wise, I've never, um, I don't know when people say, you know, talking about being an artist or this or that. I don't know what it's like not to be because mm -hmm. I was kicked out of my English class for drawing on my notebook and I was drawing choppers and monsters on other kids' notebooks for a quarter when I was in sixth and fifth grade. And, and you know, I've never known. I just didn't know you could make a living at sure. it. You know, now I draw on Universal music and uh, capital records notebooks yeah. and uh so uh you know it's the same thing that um my my english teacher used to say you're gonna end up stacking tuna fish cans at gelson's <laughs> that's a supermarket out here and I, yeah. I finally called her after i did my first uh album and i said well you were right i, I am stacking the tuna fish cans at the market but they're in my cart <laughs> and she goes, well, because I'm really glad you ended up making a living at it because uh, I didn't know if there's going to be any hope for you. Sure. But I, I played drums for about 20 years, 25 years. Also, I played since I was five years old and uh, ended up playing with a few bands. Nothing of great notoriety. I sure. did get to audition for Alice Cooper and I played a little bit with Sylvain Sylvain from the New York Dolls for about a year, about nine months, something like that. And uh, when the band 
that I was in ended up breaking up when we were doing a demo in the studio. That band was called Grace Period. Right. Um, uh, my guitar, the guitar player ended up going to REM and then the Goo Goo Dolls. But uh, I just had enough of like dragging drums in a club when you're 30 yeah. and it's like getting really old. Yeah. And if it does, it, you know, you just got to get lucky. But all my friends that did make it in bands back in those days, they did it when they were young and it just happened. They just got lucky and it happened. And they had talent, of course, because you can't you can't make it in the business without talent. Sure. But I just didn't find that band. So um, I just ended up going back to art. I'd been working at my dad's factory. Even when I was playing drums, my dad had a cosmetics uh, packaging factory. So I was doing logos and doing packages for, I remember doing some, uh, shampoo, uh, bottle packages for Pierre Cardin that I designed and, um, a lot of logos and, uh, just, you know, he did cosmetic packaging, like gifts with purchase. Like when you buy Ralph Lauren cologne at, at, at the department store, you'd leave with a bag, you know, those right. kind of things. And so, uh, I was always in design in one way or another. Um, and then when, uh, I guess probably I, I, um, you know, this was back by the way, in the old days when it was grid paper and graph paper and whiteout and press on letters and you, you a lot of rulers and rapidograph pens. It was the old, old school doing yeah. it. And then when the computers came in, I just didn't, it didn't, click with me i didn't understand how a computer could make art it just didn't make sense to me sure. and um i ended up staying at a friend's house after i'd broken up with a girlfriend and he had one of the first photoshop first you know graphic design uh programs and he was on a record label atlantic records in the 80s and he retained his music so he was putting out like a best of his band and he was designing the package and I just right. looking over his shoulder and I go, you know, cause I didn't know how to use the computer, but I said, Hey, if you put that picture over there and make that background, you know, purple instead of black, you might make this pop out and that. And he goes, well, well why don't you do it? And I said, I, I can't. He goes, yeah, <laughs> just do this. Click here. That does that. This makes the picture smaller. That one makes it brighter. You know, little by little, I just started learning. So we, I designed that package with him. And, you know, when you see it printed, that's kind of cool. You know, you see it going from the screen to to actually holding it. It was like, oh, maybe there's something here. And uh, he ended up hooking us up with someone from the Hard Rock. And we ended up doing some packaging for their gift store. Just some 1950s boxes with the boomerang pattern, like the old sure. 50s Formica kind of stuff. So that was, you know, one kind of foot in the door there. And then... Um, after that, I was just trying to, you know, figure out I was doing little ads for record uh, stores. I did a great one for this guy named Joey Jetson. He had a store in Arcadia, which did you interview Elliot Kendall, by the way? Have you ever no, spoken? I, to Elliot I did not Kendall? know. Oh, OK. He's a, he's a great guy to talk to, too. He's a wealth of music information. He used to work for Delphi Record. All That's right. where I met him. And he's currently doing some work i think with the beach boys right now on the upcoming box set but he, do, he does publicity pr all that kind right. of stuff anyway i met him at the record store but long story short um a guy who that was a mutual friend of mine named dennis lauren was a art director for cream magazine and he'd done a lot of the 
early posters for uh, Jimi Hendrix at Candlestick Park. He did um, uh, Steve Miller, Santana, you know, a lot, a lot of the bands in the in the early days in the 60s. And he saw my ad for the record store and we ended up meeting and he goes, you did that ad. He goes, I said, yeah, he goes, I really like that. He goes, you ever thought of doing concert posters? And this was in 1999. And I said, uh, no, actually, I never did. I never saw my art that big. I'm thinking like business cards, you know, CDs, like, you know, I definitely was never thinking posters. He goes, well, you might want to give it a shot. I said, well, Dennis, it's 1999. I can't do Jimi Hendrix. Who am I supposed to do? Marilyn Hansen? I mean, who's around that I would want to do a poster for? And literally the next day I picked up the L.A. Weekly and it said Brian Wilson coming to the Wiltern. That's a a theater here um, in Los Angeles, an old theater. And uh, that was 1999. And I said, oh, that I could sink my teeth into. Let me let me give that a shot. So I got on the computer and I did a I think the I think it was about 11 by 14, I believe, was the size of it. And I, I thought it was a pretty good one. I, I kind of had some confidence in it. It was the old photo of him walking on the beach with yeah. the surfboard. And uh, so I called up the Wiltern and uh, I said, hey, I've got a concert poster for this uh, this weekend show. If you guys want to sell it, maybe we can split the bread or I'll split it between you and Brian Wilson's people. Oh, no, we don't do that. Brian has his own merchandise. We can't do that. So, you know, we're sorry. I said, well, can you give me Brian's management's number? No, we don't do that. We don't give that information out. I said, well, all right. So I hung up the phone. My friend said, well, we're going to print these anyway. So he gave me 50 bucks. I went down to this place at the time. It was called Kinko's. It was a little, little quick uh, express printing place. And I knocked out 50 posters and my buddy had a, uh, it was at the, the, my friend at the record store had one of those shrink wrap machines. So we, you know, we cut the cardboard down and shrink wrapped it made, made it look really, you know, real fancy. And I took my ass down to the parking lot of the Wiltern. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> And I whipped it out at the end of the show. And one guy came up to me and he goes, I didn't see that inside. That's a bootleg, man. I said, well, hey, support your local artists. It's not my fault they didn't buy them. He goes, yeah, well, it is pretty cool. All right. All right. Let me. And they were 10 bucks. He goes, all right, let me grab one of those. And then another guy saw him doing it. And he came up. And I think within 19 minutes, I had all 50 posters sold. Wow. And uh, I was holding five hundred dollars, and I said, "Well, I didn't get that the last time I dragged my drums into the uh, the club. Um, I think I like this job." Yeah. So uh, the next night, I went down to wherever I think he was playing in Long Beach or Anaheim. I forgot, and made another fifty posters. I had my buddy on one side of the parking lot; I was on the other. This is before cell phones, by sure. the way. No, and and. Uh, my buddy comes running up to me out of breath, like freaked out, like he saw a ghost. He goes, because, dude, Brian's manager just caught me selling him. She wants to see you. She wants to talk to you. It was Jean Sievers was is yeah. is her name. She's still with us. She's a great friend of mine. So I said, all right, I'll go talk to him. Why not? What you know, what's she going to do? Arrest me for selling 50 posters? That would be great. Good publicity. You know, <laughs> so I, I met with Jean and she goes. Oh, so you did this. I said, uh, yeah. She goes, you did this last night too, huh? I go, yep. She goes, well, I'm buying the rest of them. That's the best fucking thing we've had for wow. Brian in a long time. She goes, I want you to come to the office on Monday and talk to us. You know, 24 years later, here we are. 
Do you think though, like in one aspect, like your your the career that you've had in designing and, and artwork has been more special seeing as you, you took a approach that wasn't through art school and was more of getting your foot into the door and one successful venture led to the next one? Yeah, you know, I got, I'm, I'll be honest, I tried to go to art school. I did go to UCLA Extension for a while, which I thought was really groovy because the editor, uh, the, the art director of Los Angeles Magazine at that time was teaching. But after like the fourth class, I was talking to my dad about it. I, I wasn't learning anything that I didn't already know. Sure. I, I was already designing packaging for Robinson's department store and doing logos. And, you know, there really wasn't a whole lot that I saw that um, that I was really learning. You know, I, I would rather just gone to work and done it. You know, sure. I just when, when you have a when you have a. I don't want to call it a natural talent or a sixth sense or whatever the hell you call it. You either are or you're not. It's not like Michael Jackson was down at Seth Riggs taking vocal lessons when he was five. Yeah. He, he was, he was, you know, he was, had perfect pitch and sang with the Jackson five. Of course they rehearsed. You got to rehearse if you don't practice. I mean, I always sure. practice, but like I said, my practice was on my notebooks and my English tests. And, and, you know, <laughs> I just, usually when i when i wasn't drumming i like i was drawing so sure. that's just the way it is now when the computer came around um i learned how you could still draw and scan it in and then either you could do the fonts by hand like i did i don't know if you have the artwork for where the action is box that i did for rhino um i you know i drew that logo by my hand i drew the smile logo for brian's album with my hand and um so, you know, you learn how to mix something, you know when to use fonts and when not, when to yeah. make it, you know, to look as organic as possible. I like the organic look. I'm not into the vector sharp. I just <laughs> I, all the art that I saw that I was influenced by when I was a kid were all printed on shitty printing presses. <laughs> it, it was it, it wasn't high resolution. It was, it, you know, yeah, maybe there was some quality photographs and stuff. And if, if they if the record company went to a really good printer, it came out really nice. But on the whole, it looked and felt organic, sure. it felt like rock and roll. You know, a <laughs> uh, great friend of mine, Gary Grimshaw, who I was blessed to meet through Dennis Lauren. If you look Gary Grimshaw's work up, that speaks for itself. But he used to call concert posters paper songs. Okay. And that was, you know, so, so, you know, what we're doing for the musicians who are writing the real songs, we're doing paper songs. So sometimes, you know, when you see a concert poster, you'll you'll you can hear if you can look at a concert poster and hear the person's music in your head. You, you did something right. Sure. You get it. You, you know, when it gives you the right vibe. You've mentioned it not just here, but other interviews you've done and elsewhere that you've been working with Brian for so many years. And regardless if it's just Brian or any other artist you've worked with or um, personality, you mentioned making it look look different. How do you make sure that although the quality is staying the same, a high level, what it looks like is different and quote unquote better than what you previously just did for that artist? Well, I mean, you don't you don't just knock it out. It's not like you push a button and and you know I you know I'd lost a couple girlfriends that way they loved that i was a graphic designer they loved the art that i did then when i'd get a job and i had to disappear for a week or two to do the job oh oh you got to go do that 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 art stuff that yeah well you know i wish it was that easy to just push a button on a computer and spit out a tour book but yeah. uh 
you know, I went through probably 10 or 12 different covers for that one, maybe 30 different pictures, maybe, uh, you know, it, it, it doesn't just come out like sure. that. It's, it's, uh, and it's an organic process. You know, when you, I'm always looking to use different fonts that nobody's used before different lettering that captures the vibe. I always try and take, I, I try to stay a step ahead. You know, I just I like uh, I like staying a step ahead. And even if it's something that maybe was done before a long time ago, people might not remember it. And sometimes it's great to bring it back. You know what I mean? So um, if the uh, the question is how to keep it different for 24 years. Wish I knew the answer. (laughs) It's probably the same answer of how have I been sober for 24 years? Don't know. I tried to do it when I was in my 20s. You know, it took me 10, 15 years of trying to get sober. And one day it just happened. And here I am in my 23rd, 24th year of sobriety. And if I had the answer, I'd give it to everybody. (laughs) I mean, I, I wouldn't even hoard it for myself. Sure. So, you know, when you're talking about art, how do you, you know, that's something that that everybody uh, has to come up with for themselves. I mean, one big one. I remember one of Brian's friends said um, Ray Lawler, he said, I think it was his son or his grandson or someone was good. It was becoming an artist and getting interested. And in what, what's my advice to him? And I said, you know, the only the only advice I could give to an up and coming designer or an artist is know when to stop, know when you're yeah. done, know when you did it, because some some don't know when and then they keep going and keep doing and adding and, you know, so it's really um, I can't say it's the old thing of taking away until you see, you know, the uncovered yeah. masterpiece. I, it's not that not that easy. It's different for everybody. It's well, really it's, different for everybody. Well, it's probably why maybe you're so close with Brian in the sense of him with him, his ability to just create and put together this music. It's so indescribable, his process, because he can say, well, you know, I think about my brain and I'm plugging away on the keys and then it comes together. But it's something that just naturally happens that myself, I, I'm not able to just put something together or work on it. But for you to be able to do that in a way that seems natural is something that i'm sure you yeah well you know you 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 may be able to fix motorcycles i can't (laughs) you know and i've got friends that do that but i can't do it i wouldn't uh, you know i could probably learn a few things about doing it but i wouldn't say that i'm a motorcycle mechanic you know you you just you just do find what you're good at do it if if you keep getting more work doing it you know that you must be doing something right and i i wouldn't dare myself to brian with his music but uh you know um if if what you're looking at makes you feel his music it makes you feel that vibe then i did my job sure i've never been in this business to be famous i never wanted to be famous i do have other friends that are graphic designers that push themselves and a few of my friends have found their own brand, sort of like Andy Warhol-ish. You sure. know, they're, they're, I'm not going to even name them. But, you know, they just ended up becoming as popular as their art. For me, I didn't want to be famous. I make famous people look famous. Sure. And, <laughs> and if, then if you happen to look and it says graphic design by Mark London, you go, oh, cool. OK, who's this Mark London guy? Good. That's all. But, you know, if, if you like what you see when you pick it up, I did my job. Well, that's I, I would I think that's the goal for every 
artists, regardless of what field and art they are. For for you, it meant going back, you know, in the years of, of first working with Brian, maybe it was when you sat down with Gene or maybe with his uh, Brian's wife or, or maybe with Brian as well. What was your goal in terms of helping Brian get back to that Mount Rushmore level of, of, of where he was prior to when he put out Pet Sounds and then when Smile came out in terms of promoting him? Well, that wasn't my goal. My goal is just for just for each job, do do what's required for each job. The, the second job I got, well, not the second job. I'll say the first official job when they hired me was a New Year's Eve poster I did right. uh, for Redondo Beach. And um, looking back on it now, yeah, it's cool. But I mean, would I've done it different now? Of course. Sure. I was, you know, I was young. I was naive and, and you know, but they liked it and they sold out of them. So some the public must have liked it. But, you know, I just do I just do each job. Each job um, is is its own thing. I, I it's, when you look at it back now as a body of work. Yeah, it's kind of overwhelming. But it was never like that when you're making it. You're just thinking about, you know, we want to, uh, Brian's going to do pet sounds. So we want to, we want to do a pet sounds tour book. Okay. Well, what's my job? Make it, make it look and feel like pet sounds, find photos that nobody's seen before. Cause if they're spending their hard earned money, you want them to get some rare stuff. Yeah. Although, you know, back when I started in 99, the internet was just really starting to explode and you didn't expect that people were just going to be scanning the stuff and putting it up, you know, uh, that that's kind of a bummer because it kind of ruins the vibe of yeah. feeling it and holding it. And, you know, um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't even, uh, I don't even know what the question was, but I'm sure I answered some kind of question. Oh, no, 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 you did. There was an interview you recently did, or a conversation, whatever you want to want to call it, with David Beard recently up about sort of your story and how what we're talking about now. And you you talked about, or David asked you a question about some memorable moments or favorite times you've had with Brian. You mentioned mm -hmm. one about being there for the first live concert of Smile. You you played a role in, in putting together the package and the uh, the um, design of of the Smile album. When you're part of something like that with Brian. How do you describe that, not just on a personal level, but in a professional sense that he he trusts you that much to be there with him in a moment like that? Well, I mean, well, you mean at the concert when the, when they were doing the show? Yeah. Or are you talking about when I was doing the art? Because like, I, uh, I, well, all I, I did at the show was sit and watch the show. Sure. But I mean, when I was doing the art, I would show it to him as it was coming along. And uh, we were originally going to, I was, uh, the first thing I did was was to get Frank Holmes on the phone and uh collaborate with him we did a shirt um this is when brian said he was going to be finishing smile which we never said how it was going to be finished you did, sure. didn't say it was going to be a live concert or an album because as you know the album didn't come until later yeah but they were definitely finishing it musically and we knew that there was going to be played at one point from beginning to end and um so i did the shirt with frank which I came up with the slogan smile coming to a face near you coming soon to a face <laughs> near you, which is uh, sort of Don Draper ish, I guess, but at the same time it could be taken in a, uh, a few people kind of gave me something for that. They took it in the wrong way as they yeah. say, but you know, that's their mind, not my mind. <laughs> I was yeah. just thinking of people smiling. Um, but uh so we did that and then we did a poster, I believe. But then when it came time for Frank to meet with Brian and, and Van Dyke, I think uh, 
it just didn't work out with the fees and what he was expecting and what he thought it was going to be. And it just, it just, it, it, the negotiations broke down, as we say, and the whole thing was dumped in my lap. Now, in hindsight, it was perfect because when we did the smile box set, um, you know, the, the big one, the 3d one, which Tom Rashawn did masterfully in 3d, the light up box. Do you have one of those? I do not. I do not have smile in my position in a physical copy. I have it you know, downloaded on Spotify or whatever it may be. Yeah. But the, well, the box set's called the smile session sure, uh, sure. put together with Alan Boyd and stuff. And Tom Rashawn was responsible for the art direction on that. And I think that was a, he was robbed of a Grammy from that because it's unbelievable. He took Frank Holmes artwork and turned it into 3d and there's, there's a light inside. So you, you got a light inside the smile shop. Um, yeah. So the project was put in my lap and it was like, Oh boy, here <laughs> we go. It was a lot of, uh, sweating. Sure. Uh, a lot of, you know, I could feel the anticipation of, the world waiting for this now bear in mind i wasn't designing the album this was going to be uh, this was the tour program and the merchandise oh, and yeah. stuff the first thing i did is um it turns out that frank holmes didn't do the original lettering on this on the mm. beach boys smile record it was done by someone at capitol records that we've yet to find who did it in 66 <laughs> so i just drew my own hand version of a logo with the same colors and the same vibe so you would know it's the same project if i was just to start with like old english letters or something completely whacked out you know you wouldn't even have known you wouldn't have you would you would have known it's the same project because they yeah. were writing about it and talking about it but i wanted to give it the feeling so it worked out perfect the way my stuff came out and it worked out awesome the way Frank's stuff ended up coming out because they did end up using all of his original artwork and more. And it was, it is incredible because he's, he's a master. I love yeah. Frank's work. Um, so that's why I had to go in a completely different direction. So I went a little bit more, um, just a little more psychedelic, -y, yeah. a little bit more, uh, I used a lot of little cutouts from the agricultural catalogs and, and stuff that Van Dyke Parks would be referencing in the songs uh -huh. lyrically. Uh, I think I gave it a pretty good feel. I mean, when you when you look at the package now, the CD and stuff. But for the tour book, the whole thing was uh, to find, again, pictures that nobody had seen before. So we went to Guy Webster. We went to David Leaf had a great archive of um, Jasper Daly stuff. Dominic Priori did a great timeline that was in the centerfold that we did. Do you have the tour book for that? The tour program for the smile? Uh, I'm going to, I'll see if I have an extra one laying around. I'll throw you one of those. Oh, you're too kind. That, that was, that was really, uh, that was a hell of a lot of work, but um, you know what? Hunter Thompson, my favorite, one of my favorite authors had a saying when the going gets weird, the weird turn pro <laughs> and having, Brian Wilson's smile suddenly dumped in my lap was weird and yeah. I had to turn pro real fast. So uh, <laughs> it came together and it was great. And I had a blast doing it and uh, worked with Melinda on the, on the cover of the tour book. I did, I uh, went to all these antique stores and antique marts and stuff. And I found all these little pieces and knickknacks from all different centuries to put together. And each one represented a song on the album. Yeah. And you'd have to look it up. Um, I, I don't know if you have the art with you of the Smile Tour book cover, 
but um, that's what I did for that. It's more of assemblage collage, I guess you'd call it. And uh, it worked and mm. uh, everybody was happy. And yeah, definitely the highlight was flying over to England with Brian and Mel and uh, witnessing that first night. It was just um, everybody was just transformed, you know, inside. It was very, it was a very, very high spiritual experience and um and i'd been to the rehearsals too mind you it's not like i didn't hear the stuff before but when you that night was well put it this way uh my dear dear best friend nick walusco who used to play guitar for brian he was my best best friend in the band a book came out and i'm not sure if it's exactly what it's called but it's something like i was there that like the 10 concerts that changed the world or something right. like you know the 10 most important concerts ever and smiles in there it's one of those 10 and um it, it, for nick to see that before he went i got him a copy of that book for christmas and that really that really uh blew his mind because it was it was an important night and it'll forever be one of the landmarks in music history and um yeah now what i want to try to do to my best ability i want to try to pull up some of this artwork that at least i think most of it is is what you have done from the the links that you had sent me Uh uh-huh so this is the first post you did about uh, the will turn theater 99 that you talked about that i'm sure to this day still holds a lot of value to yourself i'll tell you something interesting about that i went with rodney bingheimer to see william gallagher play there and as i we went we happened to enter through the back where the security is the backstage area and you know what's back there framed this poster you bet (laughs) the poster they wouldn't let me sell there (laughs) so i got a big kick out of that and then let's go to the next one hold on then there's the smile the smile stuff this the smile i don't think i don't know if this is the one you which the one this is from the the album yeah that's from brian's smile album and um originally what i wanted but for some reason the record company wasn't able to do i wanted the uh i what, what you're looking at on the right i don't know where that came from it looks like it's stretched out a little too much it's supposed to be perfectly square but um i wanted the smile letters on the album it's foil stamp blue okay. okay i don't know if you have the physical lp the 12 inch and the cd also it's blue foil stamp but i originally wanted it to be blue mirror okay. so when you picked it up at the store and you saw a smile you did smile and you could see your smile in the smile. Yeah. You know what I mean? That would have been a little more psychedelic. That I, To me, that's what I wanted to do. But they, I was just glad to get the foil stamp sure. and uh, the embossing. But uh, yeah, I, yeah. Uh, there's the one that... Did you do this I don't one? know why these... Uh, on my... Maybe it's the way I'm looking at it on my phone, but this these all look stretched out. Like this looks left to right like somebody took stretched it like silly putty. <laughs> It's actually a movie poster, but sure. it looks like it was stretched out. But anyways, that was for Rodney's documentary, Merit right. Sunset Strip. And that isn't what it looked like when I designed it, but it's what it looked like after somebody stretched it out. And then some of these. Okay, that's a little bit more. The one on the right's a little squeezed in, but um, the one on the left was a tour book I did 
with my great friend Andrew Sandoval, who's also worked with me on uh, Beach Boy projects and stuff with Brian. Um, that was a tour book we did. The one in the middle was the ad that we did, and then the one on the right, I could barely see it. It's kind of squeezed in. I guess that was just another ad mat to show, you know, for advertisements for the uh, for the concerts. For the for these though, I mean, you see in all three photos, there's some different iterations of the bands. And looking online, there's some different versions of the bands. Does that play any role in in your work when you did stuff for the Monkees? Um. Well, you know, I work a lot with Andrew, and if he wants to use the Monkees logo, we you know we use it like we did on the left and the one in the middle for the 50th anniversary. You know, obviously people are familiar with that logo, and then the one on the right, I just did my own thing um it's um each job is just uh the i think the one in the middle is supposed to kind of resemble the cutout record okay. that was on the back of a cereal box i believe and uh yeah that was the good times tour um yeah i mean you know andrew and i are a great team working together he's one of those rare guys where it's like he'll tell me he ha he always kind of has a vibe of what he wants. Sometimes he'll say, go wild, do your thing, and just hand me a bunch of pictures. Um, and then sometimes he'll say, I'd like this kind of a design or, you know. But sure. uh, it's very easy for people to say what they don't want. It's not sure. easy for a lot of people to say what they're what they're seeing in their head, you know, kind of a vibe. So that sure. those people that do know what they want are way easier to work with. Let me go to the next one. Okay. Let's do this. And then this one, I read something about the Nancy Sinatra, um, uh, this one. Uh, do, do you have a story about this one? Yeah, I wanted that to be the cover of her laying on the uh -huh. orange. It was Nancy, Nancy Sinatra, California girl. But the Disney people ended up doing their own art. And luckily, um, my friend Hal Lipson, who was managing Nancy, got the artwork on the disc. That's not my lettering. I didn't like the lettering at all. Uh -huh. I would have done probably something little bit closer to the one on the right the one on the right is just a little a piece that i did for nancy's birthday just as oh. a happy birthday thing but um but the uh the composition i put together of hers on the orange slice which was nancy sinatra california girl that was the name of the album i thought it was cool i don't know but i'm just grateful it made it on the disc there's dick dale that was a real early one i did um that one i think i had two days to put together but uh, he dug it. Uh, Go Go's B-52s. I was called by that promoter. They're called the Electric the Electric Factory, I believe. Uh -huh. Electric Factory Concerts. Yeah, they called me to do that. And uh, so I thought that was kind of funky with the lady getting her hair done on the moon. Sure. Let's, that was let's a fun one. And then Beck and then the Al Jardine one. Uh, Beck was, um, there's a, there's a producer here. And I think his name was Norwood. There was a real famous house here in LA where this guy had like 50 statues of David on his lawn, like the real statue of David, you know, um, but, uh, but, um, so I just kind of just did a take of that. That was another one where I just had a few days to knock it out for that concert over at the knitting factory in Hollywood. So I just stuck a guitar in David's arms and, uh, Anyone that lived in L.A. was in on the joke because sure. that was my it was my tribute to the guy's house. Uh, postcard from California for Al. Um, 
that was uh i was given just the art of him with the guitar uh that was done i i got that from trish campo um she was working with al at the time she was um ed roach's ex-wife and she used to work for brother records as well and uh i just came up with the rest i stuck a bunch of uh cool postcards that related to the songs and um al and i worked on that together for quite a long time Uh, that album took a long time to come out but he was really happy with the end result and i'm still happy with it i stick the colors on it and um i think it speaks for itself well, now it's it, now it's coming back out for a, a re-release of the album. I think it is the last few days. Yes, it is. Yes, but, it is. Yeah, just, that's Al's first and only solo up record. Well, hopefully he does another one soon because he he definitely has the talent to still have a voice. Ah, uh, what a voice! Singing. Incredible, incredible, and, and his kids are great too. Of course, Matt Jardine blew my dad out of the way twice. The time I I've seen him play with Brian, it, it's he, they're just all incredible. Um, yeah and then these absolutely. ones um i believe you did, yeah i think you had talked about in a previous interview you did maybe the one on the far right and then the one in the middle is the the one that they actually did uh yeah 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 i yeah we were we were just uh me and that tom Rashan. that was the last uh assignment that he gave me we, uh he he uh and i kind of brainstormed on that and he said it would be wouldn't that be cool if we did it like uh, a high school yearbook Sure. kind of a thing and then he left capital and i just i even though i kept him in the loop with everything i was doing i just kind of ran with it but we were we were thinking of um different names for it and i think west coast story was one of the first ones we came up with but then i went to a flea market and i got this funky little pin um it might be on my facebook page somewhere but it was from the 60s and it just says made in california and i just said Hey, yeah, yeah, I like that, you know. And I, I went to the Capitol Tower when everybody was still there, and I just threw that on Tom's desk. And I go, "There's, there's the title to the, yeah. the record, Made in California." So that was that was how that came about. Then the Beach Boys' fiftieth. Um, that's the tour book that looks squeezed in too. What that's like? That's squeezed in. That's supposed to be square, like the like the art on the right. Sure. Um. But uh, that was the uh, tour book I did for those guys. We fa- again, we found a bunch of really rare photos, and um, I'm still really happy with that one. Well, to be part of the 50th anniversary in, in that capacity, also to to create this for them, I'm sure was a highlight for you as well. Well, yeah, from a kid that grew up, you know, I was born in Santa Monica here, and my brother had the Beach Boys records when I was a kid in the '60s, and. You know, I, I'm I was born in 62. So at two and three years old, you're already pretty cognizant of what's going on around yeah. you, for whether it's the Twilight Zone, the Munsters <laughs> or the Beatles records or the Beach Boys that your brother's playing. So, you know, I kind of uh, that stuff is part of my DNA. Well, and it's, um, the best it's the best music. It's it's uh, pretty damn amazing. Yeah. Let's say that again. Uh, let's go to the next one. And then you had some of these, I believe you had done. I did all of them. Um, the one on the left, we did, yeah, I did that for the zombies. Uh, that was a great tour, Brian and the zombies. I came up with that something great from 68 because the zombies were doing uh, Odyssey and Oracle and Brian was doing mm-hmm. a lot of the songs from that era. Um, 
And then uh, the Hollywood Bowl poster in the middle is a series of five, I think it was five or six posters. I can't remember. Uh, I did a similar one with different colors for each venue. One was San Francisco. One was Royal Albert Hall, the Hollywood Bowl. Um, and I came up with the little images of the uh, the venues in the middle. I would change that middle art right like right above where it says hollywood bowl right. i got that little old graphic of the hollywood bowl so that was a series of i think five posters i believe the one on the right was a t-shirt design okay. and uh and then you have this that. one and then you have the tape one nowadays and i found this picture that i i'm curious to hear about the the brian wilson dolls well i wanted to do um when the pet sounds uh let's see was it the 25th anniversary? I'm trying to remember when the doll was made. Do you have any information when that was made? I think it was the 25th sure. anniversary of Pet Sounds. I'm not sure. Pretty sure it was. Or was the 40th anniversary? I don't remember. <laughs> it was an anniversary of Pet Sounds. Right. And I wanted to do a coffee table book. But Capitol Records didn't want to do it. So it just so happened that my printer, Danny, that I've been using since 1999, knew a guy that made those action figures. Uh, and I said, well, you know what? If you're not going to do a coffee table book, we got to do something different for this thing. Not something that, it, you know, another, another tour book that people can take pictures of and put up on the internet. This, you know, I want something people can hold and, uh, you know, something that they're not, they, uh, can't rip off. But, uh, so yeah, we did the, <laughs> if you look on eBay, they were, they were starting out, I think like at a hundred bucks or 175, wow. I forgot how much they were selling for originally. And people were going, this is crazy. <laughs> this is so much money. Well, now they're two grand, three grand, five grand, wow. you know, and we did a, we did a limited amount of those, but I mean, I found my friend that had the fabric company that I got the exact fabric that Brian was wearing. And I had to have it at, at a uh, scale size so it looked like the pants he's wearing on the album cover. Sure. If you take the doll out, he's even got the brown boots. And I even <laughs> think we went, I made the pea coat a 60s pea coat. It's wow. a different cut than a regular pea coat. And I think I even put the eagles on the buttons <laughs> that he had on yeah. the jacket. I mean, I went really uh, nuts with the details on that one. Uh, the one on the left, that was just a, a graphic I did that's similar to the tour book that you had. Um, that was just for Brian's birthday when we did the video tribute with sure, Bob Dylan sure. and all the guys saying happy birthday to Brian. Well, that was those are the pictures that I have. But those those that video, that video package or the video about or of the uh, people saying happy birthday to him and wishing him best of luck. It just it speaks to the testament of of his 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 ability still to this day to have an influence on people to have all those talents from the beginning of his time to nowadays wish him happy birthday and still care for him. It's just, you know, an amazing thing to see in and of itself. I've never met an artist that didn't love Brian and worship what he's done. And, and, you know, everyone from Paul McCartney, you know, they, yeah. they, they will obviously both love each other's work. Um, and uh, I went with Brian once to Elton John's house in wow. England. I went on a tour with Brian as his assistant. And we did the uh, White Tierra Ball, which is an AIDS benefit where they raise millions of dollars for AIDS. And Brian was the band. Wow. And Elton's property was incredible. I mean, we're talking 
miles of wow. property and he built an actual beach house for this event <laughs> for brian wow. a white beach house and um he just i could just see how much he loved brian sure. in fact carl and billy henchy and i think bruce johnson yeah, i think I'm... they sing back up on don't let the sun go down on yeah. was that the one yeah, yeah that was the song yeah yeah so you know elton's always said his his background harmonies were all brian now before i leave and once again thank you so much mark for doing this i want to end on a little game called the one word challenge and this little game i'll throw out a few names of people places or things that that you have some connection to you to do your best to say either a word or two or a sentence that best comes to mind when you when you hear that phrase so are you ready uh no but go for it <laughs> uh santa santa monica california uh born and raised royal albert hall smile no you know what i'm gonna strike that royal albert hall i'll tell you a great oh i'm supposed to be two words royal albert hall whatever best comes to mind when you hear okay because we we did smile at royal festival hall royal albert hall two words stephen kalinich he'll (laughs) he'll know why i said that sure uh smile uh sweating Uh, Van, <laughs> Van Dyke Parks. Oh, genius. Incredible. Inspirational. Uh, Darian Sahanaja. Masterful mus- musician. And last but certainly never least in this cosmic universe, we all live in Mark London. Whatever you think. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Well, well, sir, I, I want to thank you for, for being generous with, with your time and taking the time, of course, to, to, to do this and Give me a little peek and insight into your journey through music and the California world that is out there and your relationship with Brian. It truly has been a treat for me. So thanks again. Well, you know, I really appreciate it, but enough about me. Let's talk about me. No, I'm just kidding. I really appreciate this. I don't do these things that often. I did the one with David Beard. I've known David for a long time. He's been keeping that magazine going and, and, you know, doing a great service to the beach boys fans. And that's, that's an incredible thing in itself. And when young guys like you who don't know what paperback writer is, get into Brian's music and the music of the sixties. And, and uh, you know, I think it's incredible that you even, even get it and, and love it. And, you know, and you're, you're going to be able to pass it on to the next generation. You know, that's, that's really admirable and you should be proud of what you're doing. Well, I, I, I try my best. I only aim to please not just myself, but hopefully others who find what I'm trying to do interesting to, to some degree. So thank you for, for the uh, compliments. They're truly appreciated. Yeah, well, I'm honored that you asked me because I, I never really think of myself that way. And, and, you know, as anybody would care. But, uh, you know, thanks for caring. I really appreciate it. Of course. Well, I, I, as I usually say, everyone out there who enjoy this, because who the heck wouldn't, do yourself a favor, subscribe, follow, comment, share, all that fun jazz. So really grow this. So down the line, whatever it may be, I'm sure in the near future, when my guest Mark London wins a big, humongous artwork for his next project related to Brian, you're going to say, oh, my gosh, I should have subscribed and followed during that time. Mark, are you working on anything now that you'd like to share or put out there for people to look out for in the near future? Yeah, I'm working on a, a nonprofit telethon to teach Mark London how to use Zoom. That's <laughs> what we're doing right now. Call in with your pledges and uh, maybe you can see my face one day. No, I tried to figure it out, but I'm glad that we got the voice thing together. That's all. As long as we can do this, that's all that matters. You, you take life in stride and you, you take the little things more than other things in life. Well, 
In the words of Johnny Carson, the dean of talk show, I bid you all heartfelt good night. Till next time, take care.